1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky
2: back in the studio here. Buck, what's going on, man? Not too much, DJ. Just finished the notebook. I've been looking at all the stuff that you've been posting of late. Mock drafts, top 50s, all kinds of crazy stuff. We certainly have some stuff to talk about because a lot of movement. Yeah, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about.
0: Here's what's coming up on today's episode. I want to hit on uh, uh, going through these combine numbers, what stood out, and some interesting nuggets I pulled out of there. We're going to have that Minka Fitzpatrick versus Derwin James debate we discussed, uh, teased a little bit on the last episode, go through a little bit of my top 50 updates. We've got an interview coming up with Ryan Flaherty. Uh, Buck, for those that don't know, have never heard of Ryan Flaherty, why don't you uh, tell them who he is?
2: Outstanding trainer. He is the director of sports performance at Nike. He deals with a ton of of high profile athletes, Serena Williams, LeBron James, uh was it Christian Ronaldo? Then he also talked about all of the quarterbacks that he's had. How many quarterbacks did he have in, in the NFL? Said so he's was had the top two quarterbacks each I believe each of the last eight years. Each of the last eight years and was it twenty four to thirty two starters, some some Ridiculous. crazy amount of uh quarterbacks that he's dealt with that he's touched. So but great insight. He can't help himself because Lucky, you, uh, you can't help because you had a
0: soccer take. Yeah, and you didn't pronounce his name correctly. Oh, I didn't know. Bucky like, Sully doesn't Sully's watch the World Cup, does he? Sully's, Sully's like hey. soccer, like he, he in the back buck. I would look back there and he just jumped out of his chair. Yeah, I've been spot. waiting
1: on one of you guys to mispronounce something ever since the whole uh, the the Jodakai? debacle, Jodakai debacle. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. I can't stand uh Is Ronaldo. It's Chris- Cristiano. Can't uh, okay. stand's a little harsh. I'm not a fan. I'm more of a messy guy. Oh, I but. got the
2: last name right. That's all I care. Yeah, about yeah. It's Ronaldo. just Ronaldo. They, they. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I think you, just let so you know. Yeah. It was, I, so he ju- I've, been waiting, I've been waiting.
0: i <laughs> He jumped out of his chair back there. All right. Hey, Michael Bennett traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, fifth round pick, and they get a, they send a fifth round pick and a wide receiver from their a young wide receiver from them Marcus Johnson in return. They also got a seventh round pick to go along with Michael Bennett. Your immediate thoughts on that one? The rich
2: get richer. Um, I think this is a great deal for the Philadelphia Eagles when you look at what they're trying to accomplish. They like to wear you out in waves. We've talked about their formula, their recipe is they want to dominate you in the trenches on both sides of the ball. You've talked about their draft strategy of always trying to take a big guy somewhere in the first couple rounds. When I look at this, I think this gives them what they really like to have, and they like to have a wave of rushers that they can rely on to throw at you. And then when you build out their sub package and you think about Fletcher Cox and Michael Bennett being able to work over the guards, Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham working off the edges. I don't know how you blocked them because you're assured of getting multiple guys one-on-one, and each of these guys can win in a one-on-one situation, and so I love it. I think the way Jim Schwartz wants to play defense, he doesn't want to blitz, so with that front four, if they can get you in favorable downs, it's good night. I think as a player,
0: 100%, it's a it's an upgrade. When you look at the talent, and you just mentioned the – the group they can throw out there on third down now will be as good as anybody in the league. I, I think though this year they even they might have led the league in pressures this year. They got after it. They were they were really really good group already. So it is gonna it's gonna tinker a little bit with the chemistry there. That's one of the things I'm always I, I get it. You always you don't get complacent. You just won a championship. You still want to try and get yourself better. Which I think you can make a strong case with Michael Bennett that you do add a very special elite talent to that group. I just wonder, I think there'll be some some, uh, some cost here. Vinny Curry, I think with his contract, this probably spells the end for him. Uh, he's probably going to move away. Uh, I'll probably have to let him go. We'll see what happens with Chris Long. You know, maybe he's not back as well. So you're going to take some pieces out of that room. I think you upgrade in the talent, but always get a little bit nervous just when you have a chemistry that they had last year to go battle through adversity, mm-hmm. the collective leaders they had in that locker room. Um, I don't know. That, that's my
2: only reservation. I think as, as I think a talent, it's I think I think, that's
0: legit. But that
2: that and I think that's legit reservation. I do think sometimes though, it's different because there are two ways to look at it. Like if you're an evaluator, you can emotionally fall in love with the guys that just helped you hoist a yeah. Lombardi, or you can always try to tinker with the recipe to make sure that the talent is better. Um. With Vinnie Curry, I knew he had a high number, and I knew they were, even before the deal came through, they were trying to figure out a way to do it. Do they bring it down by doing an extension? Do they outright cut him or release him and pay cut? All that other stuff. And then with Chris Long, who had been a great locker room guy for a year, you like having that back. He'd been yeah. in back-to-back Super Bowls. He did a lot of stuff. And really, when I looked at the way this team is built, they have a lot of unique personalities. It's a different locker room that Michael Bennett is entering than the one he departed in Seattle, yeah. but I do think the blend could be pretty good, only because you have a lot of diverse uh, mentalities, a lot of guys with different interests. I think it can it can happen, but at the end of the day, they have a lot of things they have to work about. They got to worry about the complacency of being the champion. Yeah. They have to bring all these other people back in. It'll be an interesting work in progress to watch this team defend the title next year. I think there's more changes come with this team. I think we'll see some more
0: shakes. Absolutely, we'll see some th- other some other trades that could go down. So it's something to keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, it never it never stays the same. It never stays the same. You always are looking to upgrade. You're always trying to flip the thing. And one thing that we do know about Howie Roseman, he is not afraid. <laughs> He's not afraid to make moves. And the moves that he makes, though, what's crazy is it never seems like it cost him a lot no. from draft H-I compensation or they, next Yeah, or they, I mean, they 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 kind of have a way of being able to kind of stay in the mix by getting new players but not losing draft capital. And then it uh,
0: looks like as we're recording this right now that, that uh, Richard Sherman's days are numbered here in Seattle. looks like he's probably going to end up being released. Uh, just the thought on Sherman and the thought
2: on the Seahawks in general in terms of the new direction they're heading. Uh, the legion of boom, as we know it, is no longer there. Legion of bye? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's all gone. I think the big thing with the Seattle Seahawks, I was one that I loved the run that they had from 2011, 2012, until maybe a year ago. I thought it was one of the best team-building things that I've witnessed in terms of the way they built their team, the way they turned over the roster, the way they developed their own players and got them on the field, the way Pete Carroll and John Snyder embraced loud and boisterous personalities, and it all fit. But this team, this team was never the same after that Super Bowl. When they had the ball on the one-yard line, they threw – the pass that was intercepted by Malcolm Butler that crushed the team spirit because the team could never get over because they were on the precipice of being a dynasty winning back-to-back is special in this league. And for them, I just don't think that they could ever get over it. And it's hard to get over. Anytime you lose a Super Bowl, it's hard to get over, but to lose it the way that they lost it, where they felt like maybe they gave it away, it changed. And then you also have something that is changing because I don't know how this is going to play out for the entire period of the Seattle Seahawks that we've known them it has been a defensive driven team. Yeah. The defense has driven the buzz. The defense was kind of the identity of the squad. Marshawn Lynch, the running back, complemented the defense. There was a rough and tumble nature to the squad. Well, now it looks like this team is being built around Russell Wilson and the offense. And I just don't know if that's a recipe for them to not only get back into contention, but to ever win a championship. As much as we talk about Teams being built around the quarterback. Yo, what's our analogy, Buck? I mean, it's They They have
0: transitioned from a trailer to a truck. truck.
2: And I just don't know. I don't know if he can carry them like this. <laughs> I don't. Because I, I look at the He rest, was a trailer in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. He, he, was he played tra- well. He, he played well. But this team was known for 24, yep. beast mode, and the defense. Russell Wilson was a nice story. Did a great job of making the plays when they asked him, but he didn't have the pressure of having to carry the squad. Well, now he has to carry the squad, <laughs> and this is ultimately what happens to every team. Got to pay him when they pay the quarterback. When you pay the quarterback, it changes dynamic. The team no longer is balanced. You now have to figure out a way to do it. And so now that you have Russell Wilson paid, you got to buy these other pieces around him on offense. I don't know if they can replicate the success they had on defense just drafting. Here's what I like about it. Here's what I
0: like about what they're thinking here is that you you start with a championship window. To me, you start at the quarterback position. So Russell has got a pretty good window left, still obviously in his prime. I think he's got obviously several years in his prime left. I think with the talent that they had around him, we look at all these guys that are going to be jettisoned here, I think where they were in their careers, I think – this team could be a 9 10 win team for the next four or five years. But not, never get to it. N- never never want to see it. Right. So I admire the fact that 9 or 10 wins is not good enough for that organization. And what they've said is instead of waiting, say, we'll wait three years for these guys to finish up, and then we try and turn over the roster, by the time we get the roster built back up again, Russell might be out of that window of his prime. So let's accelerate the process. Let's strip it down and let's try and build it up with enough time left so we get it built up while we're still in Russell's window and we can take another crack try and win the whole thing and, and maybe suffer through a, a couple of lean years. They're not Look, it's not tanking like the NBA. But I, I like the fact that 9-10 wins is not the goal. I, I appreciate
2: that. The danger in this is they become the New Orleans Saints. They become the New Orleans Saints under Drew Brees, where they go seven and 79 and then it, and, it, and then it takes an epic draft. But, but but see now Drew, even though Drew's playing at a high level, oh he's, think, a, he's 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 a trailer now. Yeah, he's almost he's out of that. He's yeah, out of that he's, window. He's out of it. So now, so
0: I think that's why they're accelerating this. They don't want to do this when Russell's thirty one or. 32. And that makes sense
2: based on the way Russell plays, because Russell runs around so much, he's a little different than Drew, where Drew is really sitting back in the pocket all the time. Russell's kind of playing uh, improv. Football, is a little different. I wonder, though, because when I look at this defense and I hear them say we're going to build it around Bobby Wagner, you have K.J. Wright, who else on defense is a foundation piece? Like that's the thing. Like there's so much turnover yeah, on that defense. You lose Averill, you lose Bennett. Brandon Mebane left a couple years ago. Now you don't have Richard Sherman. Cam Chancellor won't be there. Like this is a completely new squad. And so I'm trying to figure out from free agency to the draft. I have no idea how they <laughs> how they turn this over to be even competitive in NFC West. Because the one thing I know, and I I take some Rams and like the right Niners now, aren't going anywhere but up. It's the Rams and the Niners now. Yeah. The Rams and the Niners. Like this is the Rams' window to do it. And I think the interesting thing. I mean, we didn't have this down on the script, but we go off the grid a little bit. No, go Alec Ogletree yeah. is traded away. Yep. So. In my mind, I'm trying to figure out, what are the Rams doing? Well, that money's got to go somewhere. Yeah. It, is that money going to 99? Is that money going to 99? Keep, keep Sammy. And, and are they trying to keep Sammy? Or are they going to let Sammy go and they're going to keep 99 in the cornerback? Yeah. And, and So I'm, I'm just curious to see how are they trying to kind of retool this team to kind of maximize, like, hey, we got a chance to win it. Yep. Let's go for it right now because they also got to pay the running back.
0: Yeah. So next year, they're to pay him? Uh, it's coming up with Gurley. They're going to have to pay him a chunk of money. But I think they got to get AD done. they got to get Donald done. I they think a get good get chunk money. of that money is going to go towards him. And I Look, Sammy Watkins to me, again, we're taking a left turn here before we get back on track, but Sammy Watkins is going to be a fascinating case study to me because I think we've talked about it. This draft, receiver-wise, eh, yeah. okay. Uh, but to me, the Jarvis Landry <laughs> franchise number at $16 million far exceeds his value, in my opinion. So – but what does that tell you about what the what kind of deals are Allen Robinson and Sammy Watkins going to get? See, I don't know, because here's the
2: thing. I, I, I just wrote about Sammy Watkins in the notebook. Sammy Watkins has one 1,000-yard 1, season, yep. his second season. He almost had 1,000 as a rookie. Um, the last two years he's been right at 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 25 touchdowns in four seasons. He's averaging almost 16 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. Those are robust numbers Yes, as a playmaker. However, he was the third overall pick, and so he hasn't necessarily played to and that a, level in a, in a
0: draft with Odell Beckham and Mike Evans and guys that have torn it up.
2: Right, and so Brandon
0: Cooks, I believe, was in there. Where do we value him? How is that's it, why I'm fascinated like by that, it? how are we because like, I think I'm on, I look at it and I say, okay, yeah, he'll have a decent market. There'll be some people. That, I'm we might be blown away how much money he gets. That's my prediction. I think Allen Robinson's going to break the bank. Coming but, off a year where he tore his ACL, he's going to break the thing.
2: The, the thing about Allen Robinson that is uh, intriguing to me, with him, he's built like a number one receiver. Yeah. Sammy's not necessarily built like one. I see Sammy more as a vertical threat. Like maybe he can be kind of like a mix, like a one-two. Allen Robinson to me is the number one. He's a big body guy. He can go he's over 20, the middle. Twenty-four. He's a, he's a red zone threat. He is only 24. I think Sammy's only 25. Both of those yeah. guys are, are really, really young. Uh, are they same draft class? Sammy,
0: yes, because Sammy went before all those guys. Sammy, Remember they traded all the way up to two, right, and oh took Sammy, God, and then after them, Odell Beckham went, Mike Evans went. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's a um,
2: fascinating case yeah. study. I think the market is bigger for Allen Robinson because I think he fits where more teams need in terms of that big body, yeah. move the chains type guy. But Sammy, man, free agency is going to be tough to watch. But what you said about the – Draft class It impacts. Them. It certainly impacts because anyone that had an opportunity to watch all those guys uh, at the combine,
0: mm-hmm. eh, good group, good group. But I just think to me, there's not enough difference between who you'd have to take in the 20s versus who you could get in the 70s. There's yeah. not enough difference there for me. Like, to and the way, that.
2: The, way I, the way I do it, if, if we were stacking the top tens, two through ten are all the same. Yeah, it's not a huge difference. They're all about the same. So whether I get them in the first round, whether I am in the second or third round, it's and, and one is not a. J. and
0: one's not AJ Green,
2: right? Like, that's the thing. Like, not comparable.
0: So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I can't wait for this free agency. We'll be all over the free agency coverage, by the way, uh, next week on NFL Network. Uh, it's one of the stories. I want to take it from a different angle here. Um, but this uh, Darius Geist thing about what he was asked in the interview, and that's created this huge firestorm. By the way, I've never been – I've been in eight eight years, been in the room, in the combine room. I've never heard anybody ask, what, do you like boys? Do you like girls? I never. never.
2: Have you ever heard that? Ever. Never heard that. Never been asked to ask someone that. No. I never heard it. The, the most that we would get to would be your family situation. Do you have kids? Are you married? Yeah, mom and dad. De- were your mom and dad together? Mom and dad together. Yeah. Stuff like that. And you can't even ask that now. No, I like don't think you can. You can't. Like, in corporate America, you can't ask those things. So that was the only thing that we were hearing. And then you would hear the stories from the security team that would have stuff like if people had been – involved in, in, in different things or whatever, but nothing to never this. So to that. me, I don't know where this comes from. Like I, I, I don't doubt I it. Don't I mean, I, he's not making it up. I, know. I don't, I, I I don't, totally I don't doubt it. I just don't, I just never heard it. I've just never been around people who have either really cared or, or cared enough to know or cared enough to press the issue like that. And then the other thing, not only the sexuality question, but mom being a prostitute yeah. or those things I've, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, know, I don't that's doubt. Never, I mean, I, that's I've never come up, so I, I just it's, it's news to me. I, I just don't know where that comes from.
0: I oh, I've been in there in some very intense, almost borderline. There might be a fight just in terms of challenging a kid's toughness. You know, hey, like look, like show plays of him turning down contact to be like, man, you, zero toughness. I mean, do you even like football? You know, blah blah blah. I've seen guys get defensive on that and really challenge them that way. Just but that's all on field. Nothing,
2: nothing like nothing. This. So so. It was funny because guys were saying, like, and even Mayfield, when he was on Total Access yesterday, he talked about guys will say stuff to kind of see your reaction or to um, get a rise out of you. But I've never been involved. And maybe the coaches I work for, like Coach Holger maybe didn't care. John Fox didn't necessarily care. That wasn't their M.O. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's just odd to me that that is the thing. I'm going to try and figure out how tough you are, like, and challenge you that way when. A better way would probably be, as you talked about, looking at the tape, showing evidence. Like, hey, what's yeah? What are you doing? What's man? this? You, you're yeah. turning, you're turning, you're turning down contact. Like, what, what is this? Yeah.
0: So that that's, and then the other thing is, if you've had an off the field incident, all would be like, let's make something up here. Say you, uh, uh, you feel like I failed drug test. Failed a drug test. So hey, uh, have you ever have you ever failed any drug tests? And it's open ended. Uh, I mean, yeah. So uh, you, so you said yes, right? Yes. So you said yes, I failed drugs. All right, just tell me, tell me what happened. That's it. Then you'll go through the story, and then literally, the, when was the last time you smoked? When
2: was smoked? the last time you smoked? When was the last time you had something? When was the last time yeah. you had a beer? Yeah. Uh, how often do you drink? How often do you smoke? Yeah. Can you put it down if we ask you to put it down? Yeah. Like, those are the kind of questions yeah. that we have if you then, have a problem.
0: Yeah. Do you, own it? do you own a, I mean, I can't remember, like, do you own a gun? Okay. Do you have oh, it, yeah. Do you have it registered? Okay. Okay. Let's move on.
2: Like that. That's I've never. This
0: is crazy. Uh, I had never seen anything like what's uh, what's out there. Uh, One thing though. Speaking of combine questions, I want to air this little bite. We interviewed a bunch of GMs uh, while we were there in Indy, and I had a chance to visit with Tom Telesco, GM of the Los Angeles Chargers, and I wanted to get from him what his go-to question was because we all have a go-to question when we're in the room, feel like you can learn something, and he had a fascinating answer on what his go-to question was when he gets a prospect in that 15-minute interview room.
3: I have two and the second one I'm going to give you, I, don't, I hate to give it because I don't want to give you what the, what the answer I want to hear because they're all, <laughs> yeah. we're all rehearsed anyways but it's not, you know, there's no trade secrets but I, the, the one big one is what adversity have you gone through and, and give us a tangible example of it um, and how you handled it because in this league, this is a tough league and there's, there's adversity daily sometimes in your building but certainly in games, um, off the field, how you deal with it um, and we like to try and get that feedback. And the other one is a really simple question is, is you ask the kid, you know, what are your goals for this league? What do you want your career to be? And the answer I don't want to hear is I want to be a pro bowler. The answer mm-hmm. I want to hear is I want to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You know, we get 60 kids a year. You may get one, maybe two that say that's a Super Bowl. Wow. Very rarely. You know, this is very individual. I want to, you know, I think they probably want to show that, you know, they're confidence in themselves, but. It's about the team. It's about winning. That's what it's all about. So whenever someone says Super Bowl, we all, sometimes we'll give some high fives in the room. Like, that's what we're looking for.
0: So there you go, Buck. Isn't that interesting? Because you say, what's a successful season? It makes sense. I mean, you think a lot of people, hey, he's asking me what a successful season is. Hey, it's a Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, this is what I've accomplished and what I've done individually. But take a step back to show that you see outside yourself and point to the team and say it's a Super Bowl. That's uh, fascinating to me.
2: I think it's fascinating because – it really reveals who you really, really are in your heart. Are yeah. you a team guy? Are you really concerned about the championships or is it all about the individual glory? And I know this is really a, a interesting time at the combine because it is a job interview. And so in job interviews, you're what? You're supposed to put your best foot forward. Yep. You're trying to sell yourself. You have all these guys that are asked, who's the best receiver in the draft? Everyone always says, oh, me. I'm yeah. the best this, I'm the best that, I'm yeah. the All these other things. And so that question is really a good one because – it's problem. You can go wherever you want to go with that. And so how you really feel is going to be how you answer that question. No question. It, look, it's it fun.
0: I, I enjoyed talking with those general managers. We'll be uh, putting out some more of that content we got from talking with all those guys as we march towards the draft. All right, we're going to get to Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James in just a minute. But I combed through these uh, combine numbers. This is one of my favorite things to do about get this big printout. Got all the testing numbers for everybody. And I just kind of go through it. I highlighted a couple guys. And I just want to run through a couple of them with you, some interesting things. Uh, I'll start the offensive line here. James Daniels, Buck, seven two nine three cone for him, which is ridiculous for an offensive lineman. He was six o three three, so six three and three three hundred six pounds, um, and did not run the forty. Uh, he's going to do that at his pro day, but man, I thought his field workout was outstanding. And then when I saw those numbers, and the other short shuttle was four four zero, that's fast. For me. So to put it in perspective, James Daniels' three cone was was faster than Bradley Chubb's defensive end from NC State. That's not normal for a center.
2: That's really not. But when you looked at the positional drills, when I watched him, when he did some of the pin and fold <laughs> drills, you can yep. see him move and get to the second level. And it matched up with the guy that I saw on tape. His athleticism is real. I think he's an easy pick. If you're stuck in the 20s yeah. and you don't really know, a high floor. I think I think he's one of those guys, okay, you know what, eh, I don't really, I'm not in love with anybody. Let's take him. He's going to be solid. He'll be with us for 10 years. He's a fairway pick. Yep. Just. Hit it
0: right down the right furrow. down the middle. We're talking uh, about doubles. There you go. There you go. Uh, Colton Miller is one. There's always guys I feel like. Okay, I need to go back and revisit a little bit. He was six eight and five or six foot eight and five eight. So six zero oh, eight five. There he ended up running. Uh, look, he had a four nine five, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, his ten was a one six seven, which is outstanding. His shuttles. I talked about seven two nine for James Daniels. His was a seven three four in the three cone, which is excellent uh, for a tackle. there There's people, there's big grades on him throughout the league. Some other people are down on him. I do not have him in my top 50. I think I'm definitely in the minority there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I saw him struggle against Texas A&M. I saw him struggle against Oregon. I don't have a lot of respect for the other pass rushes he faced in the Pac-12 this year. But, man, you talk – look, it is what it is. When you're that big and that athletic, you're going to go.
2: So, when I talk to people, um, the consensus that I got, uh, second, third round, somewhere in yeah. there. However – What happens is when you have guys like Orlando Brown and some of the other notable names that don't necessarily test well, it opens up the door for other guys to sneak in. We always want a really good player, but we like that good player to also have athletic traits that make us feel good. Colton Miller has the kind of traits that you feel good, and if an offensive line coach is like, hey, I'm a developer, I'm a teacher, maybe he can have a high seal. I'll go through just a couple
0: more names here. Royce Freeman. I know I think you got a little affinity for Royce Freeman, Buck. Uh, 454, which is plenty fast enough at the running back position. 6903 cone, 416 short shuttle. That's outstanding change of direction quickness there for a back to 229 pounds. I think he kind of slid under the radar there. 34 inch vertical, 910 broad overall. I thought it was a really good day for Royce Freeman.
2: This is what I'm gonna say about Royce Freeman. Having watched him in high school, I believe Royce Freeman hasn't been fully he hasn't been utilized to his fullest. I think he is a big back that not only can run and do all these other things. He catches the ball off the backfield. I think he could be one of those guys that we talk about in the third round that emerges and we're like, man, how can we get in yeah, – we never talk, didn't really talk, on, talk yeah, on him. I think I think he is the one that we need to monitor going forward because – he had all those skills. He was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, and now you talk about the athleticism and some of the stuff that he brings. Good. Impressive. I, th- I, I think he's under the radar. We talk about the running back class.
0: No question. All right, let's get one wide receiver here, Dylan Cantrell from Texas Tech, who is 6'027", <laughs> which is almost 6'3", 226 pounds. That's a big dude. Ran a 4'59", which is plenty fast enough for a guy that size. 38 vert, 10'10", broad. A 4.03 short shuttle, which is outstanding. A six five six three cone. That's a heck of a workout, man. Great workout. He doesn't drop the ball either when you study him.
2: He doesn't. He's expected to be a freak, and I think he, he lives up to it. Um, Cantrell is funny because it kind of reminds me of this guy, and maybe you were in Baltimore, he eventually got there. I don't know if you remember Alex Bannister.
0: Yeah, yeah, from Nevada. I, he wasn't there when I was there, but yeah. he
2: he was from Eastern Kentucky for us. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Seattle, like, he was like six at, foot five, right, yeah. yeah, yeah in Seattle, yeah. we drafted him. Yeah. He ended up being a multiple time pro bowler as a special teamer because he was big, he was physical enough to seem to cover things. is Osgood. Cantrell to me, looking at his numbers and his workout, maybe he gets on the field as a wide receiver. But these are the ideal kind of guys. That man in your your special is he looks like a core special teamer just on that big enough to do a bunch of different things.
0: All right, I'll, I have a bunch of other guys to highlight, but I'm just going to go through a couple more here. Uh, Harold Landry from Boston College somebody we've talked a bunch about. Buck uh, he was taller. He was listed in the spring when they went through there at six o one seven and under six foot two, which is not good. He was six o two three, so six two and a half. I guess he had a heck of a year. Uh, grew darn near an inch. Um, six o two three. He was two fifty two. Uh, which is a good weight. Ran 464 4, which is great. 15910 which is mm-hmm. outstanding. Uh 36 vert 911 broad. And then the short shuttles. Talked about a little bit of this on air. 7 or below is ideal for edge rushers when you mm-hmm. look at the last 10 years and the big time guys right. are all there. Cleo Mack I think was 708 but hovering right. right around 7. He was uh he was 6.88 in the 3 cone which was outstanding. And I mentioned Bradley Chubb I think was 7 uh Chubb was seven three three, I believe. Mm. He was seven three seven was uh, was uh, Bradley Chubb. So man, that, the testing numbers when you look at that and you look at the production from the year before and he was injured a little bit
2: this year. So this is what I'm gonna say. It's and I'm, interesting. I'm I'm big. I'm a huge Harold Landry fan. I've put in big i posted big grades on him. I said he reminded me of Von Miller when I looked at Von Miller at A and M in terms of his ability to bend and burst. I am willing to go all in on Harold Landry and say that he is the most slept-on pass rusher in this draft. I know that Bradley Chubb is a monster. I know there's some other guys who have potential, Marcus Davenport, Arden Key, and some others. But if I'm willing to put like a red star on someone making it, Harold Landry, to me, is going to make and he's going to make it in spades. I think he's going to be one of the sack leaders that we talk about in the next five years.
0: There you go. Uh, look, he's somebody, again, I'll go back and watch a little bit more of. I think I have him in the 30s. Maybe I'm too low. When it's all said and done, uh, Tony Brown from Alabama, whose tape is almo- almost non-existent, but five eleven seven, so almost six feet, one hundred ninety-nine pounds, ran four three five, which is silly, um, and then shuttle-wise six seven eight and a four one one, which are really good numbers. So outstanding
2: track and field guy, five-star recruit coming in. You got to figure out a hey, what kept held him back at Alabama. Very, very talented athlete and prospect.
0: Last one, Justin Reed from Stanford, who not super high on on the tape, but Bucky, he's got five picks. He ran 4-4 four, four flat. He yep. jumped 36.5, broad 10-8, shuttle six six five and four one five, which are outstanding. When you look at
2: traits and you look at production, he's going to go. He's he's going to go. He's a smart guy. He comes there. He has legacy because his brother played in the league, was a first-round pick. He is someone that, um, what do we say, like it or love it. He's, He's going to go. go. <laughs> all right,
0: let's do it here real quick. Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James. We touched on it last episode. Is there any chance at
2: all that Derwin James could end up leapfrogging Minka? I don't know. I don't think so. But here's what I would say, having had both of these guys on a team at the same time. Which, for those who don't know, explain that. So, uh, in high school, when Minka and Derwin James uh, were coming through the circuit, both of these guys were on the Nike opening regional tour, culminated in the opening that's held on Nike's campus. Uh, We have a 707 competition. Both of these guys were on my team one year. I had Minka for two years, um, had Derwin for one. I will say that Both of these guys are versatile. Both of these guys are hybrids. They're hybrids in different ways. Minka Fitzpatrick is a hybrid corner safety uh, nickel. Derwin James, to me, is a safety-slash-hybrid linebacker pass rusher, which is kind of weird to see a big guy that can do that. Um, Personality-wise, Minka was always more quiet, Mm -hmm. very cerebral, very smart. Derwin James, He's he's alpha. He's an alpha all day. High football IQ, but his presence is felt. If you put the two of them in a room, you feel Derwin James' presence a little more than Minka. Not a knock on him, but it's very similar to the presence that Jamal Adams brings to the field. Yeah, That's how Derwin James is. So I think at the end of the day, it depends on what you're looking for. Both of these guys are very, very good players. Minka Fitzpatrick has better tape than Derwin James. Yeah, more production, more ball production. Derwin James doesn't have the production, but there is something where sometimes you just are like, Man, the traits, what he brings to the field, and then the extra peak. Mm-hmm. I say that you came to me in the summer when you were up at the opening and you had a chance to look <laughs> at him. I It's like, Whoa! It, it, it's easy to fall yeah. in love with because you like. I can buy that. I can buy that product because he is all ball all the time. So both guys go. I think Minka goes first, but Derwin James by the end of the process may be a top ten prospect.
0: Well, this is uh, this leads me into my top fifty update here because I had a couple of changes here. Um, I'll get to the guys I added to the list in just a second, but I had Bradley Chubb as number four before I moved him up to number three. Mm-hmm. So I've got
2: Saquon Barkley one,
0: Quentin Nelson two. That has been the way I've had it previously. No, you're not as high on Nelson. We've been there, done. I'm going back and
2: forth. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back and look at him for a third time and just yeah. make sure. Am I just being kind and of this is stubborn? what? People, and by the way, this drives me nuts when people say, "How
0: oh, are you going to change your uh, opinions based off of a combo. I'm like, "No." I said, "I've watched." Uh, to get through is the number of guys we have to get through to be able to talk about them. I try to get, uh, get through two games, yeah. uh, and we always talk about get them in the right neighborhood. Eventually, we'll get them in the right house. Absolutely. So now it's like, okay, well, I saw that. Now let me go back and watch the tape and watch more and see if I can sort this guy out and stack him. And the other thing is when you're when you're going through and throwing grades on guys and throwing grades on guys, maybe you watch like I'll, I go by position, which some people don't do that, but I go by position. But still, I might watch the. You know, the top guy would be the first guy I watch. I watch 9, 10, 11, 12 other players. Then I get to the 13th guy, and I watch him. So I put grades on him, but then at the end, when you get towards the bottom. You have to go back. Let's go watch him back to it's back. Always, let's, let's watch this guy and immediately watch that guy. Who's better? It's, that, always, it's, a, it's
2: always tweaking. It depends on how the process starts. Sometimes I'll, I'll bounce around. I'll look at lists. I'll look at like a top 50 list, and I'll just kind of go by player. And then you're trying to stack him by player. You, you're trying to get it. But it also depends on when you watch him. Did I watch him early in the morning? Yep. Did I watch him at night when I was a little tired? Did I nod off a little bit? Yep. Or did I miss a play or two? Um, or did I ding him too hard on? I, on am on, I am I too players? hard on him now that I've seen some other guys? Yeah. Like oh yeah. I feel like he's always on the ground, but then I look and like he ain't on the ground a lot compared to, to this the other guys. <laughs> and so that's it's always a work in progress, and so that's what it is. Ultimately, we always say. I just want to be right on draft day. Yeah. I want to be All right this on. is
0: a journey to get to the final destination. All that matters is that you get to the right spot at the end of the journey.
2: At the end of the journey. And not only that, here's the trick on our side now because we're not with the team. Yeah, you when, don't, we're, when we're with the team, it's easier. It's a thousand times easier with the when team. When you're with the team, you know what you you're need. trying to get the player right. You're trying to make sure that, they hey, fit. coach, here's where he's going to be in two to three years. When you're on our side, the challenge is to avoid. Trying to be right on draft night. See, I told you he was gonna be the first guy taken. Yeah, yeah. That's not what it is. You want to be able to hope that your report is evergreen. Mm-hmm. That in three years, if I click on interval.com and I pull up a report, what I said is coming to fruition, right or wrong or whatever. That's what you want. You don't want to say like, hey, I told you he was gonna be he's yeah. number four. No. I wanted to, to stand the test of time and be able to own it. When I when I have to look back on it in a couple years, and that goes back to scouting with your eyes and not your ears. Uh, Denzel
0: Ward, I had him as a top corner because I have Minka listed as a safety, but I moved, I had him at number eight. Buck, mm-hmm. that Joker is so explosive. I I moved Ooh. him up to number four last year. I loved I loved Lattimore. I think I ended up Lattimore having him like four or five on my list. And in hindsight, grade wise, if I'd have just stacked him up by grade, I should have had him at one or two. So I said I'm not doing that this year. I got a huge grade on Denzel Ward. I've seen it with my own eyes. I put him up there at number four. I think he's gonna be a Pro Bowler.
2: Here's what I've here's right. what I've here's what I've always learned. I've learned from really really good scouts. If you're gonna go, go big. Yep. Because no one will remember you when you just play it safe. So if you are convicted on a player, go all the way in. Yep. We're we're hopeful if you're good, you're batting 50 percent. Yeah. On your prospects. So. The guys that you feel strongly about, you have to go all in. And so if you have a conviction about Denzel Ward being a terrific player, I think the grade has to reflect that. Because the worst thing is to oh, be in a meeting. the worst. Meeting. And someone is reading a report, and the report is glowing, yeah. and then you get to the grade.
0: Yeah. Wah, 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 go all the way in. Yeah, he read a lot better than that. <laughs> That's kind of what happens there. Uh, the rest of my top ten here real quick. Tremaine Edmonds at five, the talented linebacker from Virginia Tech. He's a freak. Uh, Minka at six. Then I got the quarterback, Sam Darnold, 7, Josh Rosen, 8, Derwin James, who we discussed, 9, Vita Vea, 10. Uh, that's the top 10 there. And then the just the 11 and 12, Roquan Smith and Marcus Davenport there. Only, Before only, I get to Baker at 13 and Josh Allen at 14.
2: Okay, the only question I would have on that is, A, Sam Darnold, number one quarterback, but Sam Darnold is not in the top five in terms of prospects. Yep. I think that's reflective on you saying that's he's a bit of a, de- yep. bit of a developmental guy, mm-hmm. might need some time, but he's just not the finished product. Right now, the other thing, Josh Allen at fourteen. How much did the comeback, the combine so impact? So you see the arrows. Next, you see the arrows next Not to the end. players.
0: Nothing. What, what did it? What did I do?
2: No movement. Cool. So
0: I mean, look, I, like, I, so I did nothing. I, I he threw the heck out of it, and I knew he would throw the heck out of it. Baker Mayfield threw the heck out of it too. He had that nothing that either one of those guys did really surprised me. I think both of them have a chance to be really, really good. I just I think there's a little separation personally just from the tape of the top two versus the next two.
2: Absolutely. Now, how close are your grades between Mayfield and Allen? Very close. Very close. in, in fact,
0: like if you looked at. Allen's grade, let's just get way in the weeds, but it has that D on the end, so the more developmental. developmental. So Baker get on the field a little bit faster. Allen actually has a little bit higher grade, but he has a D next to him with okay. development. So that's how that's how you sort through all that stuff. No, that's cool.
2: because So if we were doing this, because just so people understand, when we are talking about a top 50, you'll hear us refer to a vertical board, meaning we're just taking the players, ranking them. If we were at the park and just picking players in a pickup game, this is how they're stacked. So right now you have Bayfield at 13, Josh Allen at 14, which means they're touching. Their cars are touching. They're yep. bumping each other. They're right there. Um, the new names, real quick, Will Hernandez,
0: who I had not done before the first list came out. He jumps in there I think at 25 is where love we him. had him. He's Rock a great solid. player. Jesse Bates, another one who I've done uh, recently from Wake Forest. I've talked a bunch about him on here. Former uh, baseball player, center fielder, love, natural ball skills. Love his game. Young kid, too, is a sophomore, a Richard sophomore. Uh, he comes in at number 30. I've got DJ Moore, another one who I've done since then, who I think is a really, really interesting wide receiver prospect. A lot of buzz. A lot of buzz. Lot of buzz, buzz. What, this is another topic for another day, but I, I wanted to just get your quick thought on this. I was going through and looking at receiver reports and grades from previous years, and I was uh, I was actually talking to somebody from a team and going over the guys guys you've got right in free agency as well as the draft. So we started throwing out all these names, and I said, you know what just struck me. I said, what's that? I said the one trait, and we've, we've talked about how polished route runners is the way to go versus the more raw guys, but I said the one trait all these guys that hit on at the wide receiver position I don't think people pay attention to, toughness. Oh, it's, it's underrated. Underrated aspect of that position. We was like it, I kept going through all these lists of names. I'm like
2: tough, 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 tough. Underrated. And, and DJ
0: Moore to me is a
2: tough dude. Underrated. When you think about the guys that had Juju, success, tough. You. Cooper toughness. Cup, tough. tough. Physical, tough. They weren't afraid of contact. They did the dirty work. They were working inside. The numbers may not be the fastest. Both were polished route runners, and so they found a way to have success. They also were put in roles that kind of extenuated their strengths as players. But toughness is a good thing. And if we really go back to our heart of hearts and how we were brought up in the business, oh, yeah. you were brought up in Baltimore. Yep. Speed, you toughness, always, instincts. You always talked about that. In Seattle, but really in Carolina, we talked about you got to have tough guys. We want it smart, fast, physical. Yep. That's what we were about. I wanted I wanted guys that were, had high IQs, guys who were college graduates, guys who were fast, and they had to be physical. They had to love contact, you know. So that's why you see guys like Steve Smith play for us. The last three guys here. I know we got to get to an interview. We're going to roll here with uh,
0: with Ryan Flaherty, uh, Rashad Penny, uh, running back from San Diego State, comes in towards the bottom. Austin Corbett, uh, tackle I think is going to kick inside from Nevada. I think he'll be a second round pick. Nathan Shepard. Small school, Fort Hayes State, was dominant at the Senior Bowl before getting hurt, had a phenomenal combine, kind of reaffirmed what you saw, which was him dominating at a low level of competition. I think he's probably in that. League-wise, when you talk to folks, some have him uh, middle second, some have him third. I have him in the top 50 right now. I just kind of want to get his name on the radar and put him in there.
2: No, I mean, those last three guys that you talk about, on the streets, there's a lot of conversation about them. Polarizing a little bit in terms of Rashad Penny. Some people – think he can be outstanding some people are like ah, i don't really see it i need to go back with corbett when we think about all these offensive linemen if you're not in love with anybody at the top you're trying to find developmental guys who have kind of detrace the they play well enough to maybe i can put a little a little sticker on this guy and we can find him in the second third round yep he's in the kidder and then nathan shepherd really good at the senior. that's bowl. what you want him to look like i know that really Holy good at the big physical um Shows up, continues to check the box, and I heard he interviews very, very well. So it it is on the rise for him, no question. All right, this is our this is our chat we had with
0: Ryan Flaherty. Mentioned it a little bit earlier. He has trained all the top quarterbacks, the two top quarterbacks in each of the last eight draft classes this year. Uh, he's worked with some of the best as well. So this is our chat we had with Ryan Flaherty at the combine. All right, Buck, I'm excited for our next guest here. We have uh, a big-time dude, and I'm going to get to the credentials here in a second because maybe the most impressive credentials when you look on the whole of anybody we've ever had on the show. Ryan Flaherty's been on with us before, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. Uh, Ryan, first of all, thanks for, thanks for joining no, us. No,
1: thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here.
0: All right, I'm going to run through this list <laughs> because it's, it's, it's impressive. Now, Ryan's been on before, helped us when we are talking about quarterbacks because he's trained a lot of these guys. And I say a lot of these guys, here's the numbers. Uh, just, just 18 of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, Ryan's got his hands on and helped train those guys. You look at the last eight drafts, Buck, top two quarterbacks, each draft, he's had them. So wow. he has worked with all the best players in the nation, especially at this quarterback position. We're going to pick his brain a little bit here. Uh, Ryan, first of all, I want to know, just curious how you got into this, this field.
1: Yeah, uh, and I just fell into it, actually. Um, I kind of, in between going back uh, to school and trying to figure out what I want to do after my playing career ended, I... Uh, a trainer that i was working with when i was young um a track and field coach had said hey you want to come you know work with me and train some guys so i started doing that a little bit just before i was going to go back to either business school or um you know get a real job kind of a thing uh and one thing led to another he and i ended up working with uh somehow getting hired on at usa track and field and um started doing research for them sports science for them while i was uh getting my master's and um started learning about speed and how math and, you know, science kind of plays a role into performance and just fell in love with it. And so one thing led to another, I started working with, you know, high school kids and college guys. And then, um, yeah, it's funny cause the NFL is a very word of mouth, you yes. know, mm-hmm. place. And so I think quickly, you know, guys start hearing or seeing guys perform really well and they're like, Oh, well, where are you at? So, uh, they start, they follow each other and, and yeah, here we are 10 years later. So yeah, wow. pretty That's fun. Crazy.
2: That's a quick ascension. 10 yeah. years. <laughs> um, man d j read off the the names and the numbers of quarterbacks that you've had the opportunity to touch and get around. Talk a little bit about what is it that you're able to do when it comes to Their movement skills, their athleticism, to help them become better athletes, which allows them to become better quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and it's no, you know, I have a lot of good relationships with a lot of the strength coaches in the NFL um, and in college, and I think it's no knock on anybody in any level. I think it's just a matter of the amount of time we get with them. Mm -hmm. You know, in college, they're really, really uh, relegated to short windows of time to work with the guys. They've got a ton of ton of kids that they're all working with and trying to make the best of, of the situation, to where I can spend three hours with somebody a day and really, really dive in deep. So for us, when I'm looking at a quarterback. Back, one of the biggest things we're looking at is is there's two so first and foremost it's all about injury prevention I'm trying to figure out how can I help this guy stay healthy throughout his career um, everyone kind of points to the work I've done with Russell Wilson over the years where you know the guy's ha- taken some pretty big hits he's a real mobile guy he takes a lot of hits but based on the way he takes care of his body he's you know really hasn't missed a practice in five years um, and it's all in how in the preparation and the way he treats his body so first and foremost we're looking at imbalance so first way you look at injury risk of injury is injury history so you look back at at the guy's you know career and going all right in high school and college you had these injuries and this can kind of lead to x y and z um that's number one number two is asymmetry so the imbalance between somebody's left and right arm, left and right leg, how much power they create, because you run from left leg to right leg, you change direction from left to right. Um, and it all happens in what's called the eccentric phase of the movement. So we look at a bunch of different stuff on force plates. Um, we take a ton of measurements, a bunch of muscle testing, and I can get a, give a guy a really clear picture as to what his imbalances are, left and right leg, uh, right and left arm. And we try to make those imbalances, you know, as symmetrical as possible, as you humanly can. Um, and, and with that, I know we can lower the risk of injury. So we really take a, a full full blown injury prevention approach with every guy, um, first and foremost. And then it's and then we start working into biomechanics and, you know, how they throw and you know, like the biggest muscle, you know, for upper body torso rotation is uh what's called the contralateral internal obliques i'm getting nerdy for a second Ooh, big. Big. Um, this is big. big words big <laughs> it's words. words but like so we do a lot of plyometric uh core exercises to really train um their core to help it support the movement they do on the field so all we're trying to do in the weight room with with the what the work i do is just support the movement they have on the field make that better a lot of college kids come to me really locked down in their hips like mm. Lack of uh, ro- you know range of motion there through their pelvis, so not a lot of rotation through their upper body and, and dissociation between their pelvis and upper body. So we do a lot of core exercises, a lot of flexibility work, um, and and the way we approach it is unlike you know, in the years past when I first started doing this, it was all about the combine. The combine was everything. Yeah. Um, but the way we approach it now is it's very very much about like we're training these guys for the for their rookie year. So as a, this is a step in the process, but how how can we look, approach this off season for them? Is the first t- only time in their career they'll be able to just Focus on themselves, so we take a really like you know wide holistic approach to saying okay, how do we help this kid you know develop in order for him to have a really good strong rookie year and set himself up for a strong career, and the the combine is a step in that process. It's not that we don't take it serious, but it's just it's it's you know a day in the in in the kind of timeline of their initial rookie year.
0: I want to jump into some of these guys you're working with this year, and let's let's start with Sam Darnold. Uh, When he showed up, I know you talk about being able to unlock the hips and guys can be a little Mm -hmm. bit tight there. Where was he when he showed up, and how how has that process been getting him loosened up?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and it's, again, no knock on anything they've done in the past. It's just, you know, at the college level, they're, they're trying to develop these kids as quick as they can, and a lot of the exercises they do tend to kind of, uh, lock the pelvis down, and so as a quarterback, especially, that's the last thing you want. Yeah. You want as much dissociation between the pelvis and the and the upper torso because every degree of separation is kind of one mile an hour on the ball, and and the velocity, you know, at this level is is, is huge. So. Um, we're really looking to, to work on that. He he came in, you know, he he really worked hard on his hips. They, I talked to the staff there, and they, they kind of passed along all the stuff they've been doing on with him. Um, but I feel like because of the amount of time we got with him, yeah. we really focused on that. Um, and and he, he's gotten a lot better. I was really, you know, bummed that he's not going to throw. But he'll throw at his pro day, and you guys will see kind of, um, you know, the progression he's had and, and how his body's moving. And a lot of people came back from SC, and, and his coaches watched him and were like, man, he's – He's really moving well, and I think I'm really excited for everybody to kind of see how how the progression he's had and kind of how much more flexible he is and how much you know harder he's throwing the ball now.
2: How long have you had him? How long have you had these guys? Like, uh, normally – how long does your program, if we're trying to work to cycle up to the combine, how many weeks do you need to begin to show some improvements or changes in the way that they perform?
1: Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting because when you start to get into, into like, the really details of, you know, the force plate work we do and, and locking in on, all right, here's this kid's major weakness and imbalance and really, hard, like, focusing on that for two to three weeks, you can see – Changes pretty quick. I mean, we we've seen about two weeks some some market improvement. So, it doesn't take too long. I think it's just a matter of what pe- what a lot of these kids learn. And Deshaun Watson's a perfect example. Um, you know, last year, based on all the testing we did, we knew he was at a really high risk for injury. Um, oh, raw. Yeah, and and we knew that. He knew that. Everybody knew that. I, and we knew what he needed to continue to do over the course of his rookie year. What ends up happening is they start to get a little success. You know, it goes from training to a way more heavy weighted football and yeah. film work and all that stuff, and kind of you know, lost the sight of, I still need to work on this every day. And I think that's the biggest thing. So I've had them since January and a lot of the stuff we're going to do, this is something these guys have to stay on, you know, twice a week in order for the improvements to stick. I think people always think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do this eight weeks of training and, or 10 weeks of training and everything will be good from then on out. It's, it's every day. If you don't keep up some of the exercises with the way your body's built, the imbalances we have, if you don't keep them up consistently over the entire year, you they, it'll revert right back to, uh, square one, which is you know for a lot of these guys, locked down hips or underdeveloped VMOs or weak glute meads and all the stuff that that are that goes into injury prevention will will kind of revert back to the old way, and, and they're right back to high risk. So it's something these guys have to stay on the entire year. But to answer your question, sorry, I didn't answer your no, question, no. they've been here since January 1, and I'll, I'll stay with them until April 1st.
0: No, that's, that's great. I, on Sam, one of the things you helped us with when, when Mariota were coming out was coming out, as, as well as Jameis, is you get this eight weeks around these guys. Not only do you get a chance to train their body, you get to learn about these guys and what makes them tick personality-wise. Sam Darnold, a little bit. People think he's introverted, he's quiet, he's to himself. Uh, I have been around him a couple times. I've seen him come out of his show a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the Sam Donald. Give us maybe a story about Sam Donald that the people out there don't <laughs> don't understand what he's all about. Yeah,
1: Sam's awesome, man. I, I, it's funny because, look, again, like I said, I've, I've been doing this now 10 years and being around all these top guys. It's interesting. You start to see, for me, I always keep notes on everybody, and you kind of look at these similarities between all of them, right? Mm-hmm. They all have certain aspects about them that, that make them really special and make them elite. Um, Sam, I have to pinch my. I I was telling someone the other day. I like I have to remind myself all the time that Sam's 20. Like it it blows my mind. When I was 20 years old, I don't really need to tell this on on air <laughs> right now. What I was doing at 20 years old, but it was not what he's doing. You know, and the the, the maturity that he has at 20, um, how stoic he is, how 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 kind of even keel, and, and it's real. Like I, I've I've pushed I push his buttons more than I think I've ever pushed. Well, Mark him and Marcus Mariota are the two I've always tried to break, just to get a feel like what's really here because I I know they're going to face adversity like how how do they react to that and he just stays steady it's always like it's no big deal like whatever happens here he's going to move on it's like I can handle this it's no big deal he's he you'll just what you know you're getting with Sam is just a very very steady leader who and a kid who knows who he is and um you know I I talk to these guys about this all the time but you either you're in your playing career you're either going to experience the pain of discipline or the pain of regret one of the two, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to get through your career and you're going to look back, dang, I really wish I was more disciplined, or you're going to look back and be like, you know, you have no regret because you were so – whatever. So I think I think for him, he he's never going to, you know, experience the pain of regret because he, he just – he knows how to be disciplined. He know what, he knows what he's working for, and you know I always look back to kind of like the parent structure too. He's he's has he has a really really good parents who are super supportive, not pushing in pushing anyway or, you know, over the top with with how they parent him. They just let Sam be him, but they're very supportive of him, and I think it shows in, in who he is and how he performs. But yeah, he's even kill. You're never going to see him up and down.
2: On the other hand, you have a kid like Josh Allen who is a remarkable <laughs> athlete. We rave about him in the scouting community, about his athleticism, the unbelievable combination of talents that he has. What did you see from him when he first walked in your doors?
1: I've never seen an arm like this in my life. Like, I've been around a lot of quarterbacks. His arm is beyond elite. It will be what every arm is measured against. Uh, At his pro day, he'll probably throw the ball 90 yards. No joke. The other day we were on the field. Come on. I'm not kidding. He'll throw it 90 yards. Just wait. I I promise you, I'll bet a car on it. (laughs) He he would he will throw the ball 90 yards. His his physical skills, the way his the way his body kind of releases, you know, energy into the ball, unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Um, And that's against all of the top arms, even Jamarcus. People always talk about Jamarcus's arm and what he did as Brody, this arm. It's like people just stand there and watch his deep ball like that's that can't be real. And then I go Were you around
0: Jamarcus? Were you around Jamarcus? No,
1: no, but I've seen him throw in person. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I've seen his arm, and you know, I, it's it's a, it's an amazing arm. I was around a guy like Logan Thomas, back who, oh, yeah. you know oh, is now yeah. a tight end in the league, but Logan had an a, an incredible arm. Nobody touches Josh Allen's arm. So physically, it's it's like it's second to none. I think that's going to make a lot of people around the league fall in love with him. But the best part is he's he's an awesome kid. Like you know. I I you know like you said earlier I've had the top 2 quarterbacks in the draft the past few years and you can kind of see you know everybody every year they're the, they're the, they're the alpha they're the big you know the big man on campus they're coming into this program they're always like there's always this point of contention when I'm talking to them initially before they come to train with me like wait so you're going to have that guy too with these two kids it was like oh awesome I can't wait to to work with him they love being around each other they push each other every single day there's that competitive nature but like it's 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 a respectful you know Competition where they, they understand that one team's going to fall in love with each of them and they're just there to push each other, um, which I, 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 I love that about these guys. Um, so Josh is physically going to blow you away, um, but also mentally he's really smart. And I think, you know, the offense he comes from is very similar to what the kid I had a couple of years ago, Carson Wentz. They came from the same, same head coach, same system. Uh, he's going to be further along on the board than I think people realize. Um, and I think, too, you know, look – not to knock anything Josh has been through in his in his career, but a lot of these other kids had a lot more talent around him at the college level, and I'm not saying that to be, yeah. to mean to to the, to the teams that he comes from. But I've w- I watched three games of his this year where balls were falling off guys' face masks, and and. He was throwing it so hard they could not catch the ball i I've, I've caught for him, and I'm like nah I'm good <laughs> like I'm retired I don't need this crap anymore my hands I need to save my hands but I, you it's just it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen physically so they're it, just two very different kids uh from from the way that they're going to lead the team and, and you know but Sam to compare Sam to josh his his accuracy is is Ju- like up there with the Drew Breeses of of the league, so I think it just kind of depends on on what you're looking for and what's the right fit for you. But both these kids, I think, are going to be stars in the league, and I'm excited for them.
0: So Cam, you you've been around yep. Cam. How would how would Josh even just as an as maybe as an athlete? We talk about the arm strength. Josh runs around, makes some plays too. Yep. We look, just three guys. Look at, at Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. Cam Newton, and then Josh Allen. Just if you're kind of comparing those three guys athletically, it's a great or, comparison would actually.
1: Be? Yeah, very similar. So I think I think Josh is. Uh, a little faster than Carson, um, not probably probably similar to, to, to Cam. I think they're going to be very similar measure, me, measure, measurables. Josh is very explosive, jumped through the roof. He'll be in the mid 30s for his vert. Um, his 40 should be around 46 range, which I think will be really good for him. Um, so I, I think he, that's a great comparison. I think those guys are very very similar. I think Josh is a little bigger than Carson. He's you know he's a solid 245. Um, and he's, both these kids are so young that their bodies still have so much more development to go. You know, Carson was 24. Yeah. Right. So I think his, you know, just from a hormone level, all of that stuff, just maturity level, his body was a little further along. Whereas I think Josh and Sam, they, they've in the eight weeks I've had them have developed so much to the point where I'm like, man, in a year from now, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to love to see where these kids are at that point. So they still have a long way to go. And and they're both, you know, physically going to be at the top in, in the league when they would get in there.
2: You know, um, God. So much to be excited about with both of these guys. Um, Sam Darnold electing
1: the way to his pro day. What do you
2: expect us to see when he finally is unveiled the new and
1: improved <laughs> Sam? Donald? You know, it's funny. I, I, when I first started doing this, I used to like, I, I really took it serious. And I still take it really serious, but I think at the end of the day, and I think NFL personnel knows, and you guys know this too. It's, it's, it's not as big of a deal as I think we make it especially, you know, in, in, and I think with Sam is he's, he's going through a progression right now where he's going through a lot of changes physically. We're working on a lot of stuff to help, you know, work through some issues he had, like just, you know, hip mobility, all that kind of stuff, fixing delivery, all the, all the things that he's going through and and working on. I think teams are going to be very, very, very pleased with what they see at the pro day. Um, Like I said, his accuracy will, will you'll walk away going like I, this kid throws the spots just about as good as anybody coming into the league I've ever seen um you know he's his anticipation on his throws is 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 elite so I think I think they're going to see a much more refined mechanically efficient quarterback who's releases quicker shorter uh uses his lower body a lot more than he used to um and and is going to impress a lot of people I think it's it's the the progression we're going through right now to to make his rookie year what it needs to be I think teams the team that takes him is going to be really pleased
0: last question for me then we'll let you run Uh, we're, we're always fascinated with the quarterback position and we look at study the great quarterbacks and you've had a chance, 18 of the 32 starters you've had your hands on. If you're going to say, mate, look, they're all different, all different shapes and sizes, arm strength, athletic ability, but maybe the one or two core traits that all these guys have, what would they be?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I I would say first and foremost is, um, like just their ability to retain information, um, is, is next level, uh, to be able to throw something at them and have them just apply that right away, their coachability. Even and I can tell that when I'm coaching them, you know, biomechanically when they throw or when they run, if they can just take something I, I talk about and implement it right away, it, it shows me this kid is really coachable. But not just that can apply, take the information in and and put it to use. I think that's number one. I think number two is they they want to be great. I think when you show up every single day and you want to be the best to ever play, um, it just it, it requires more of you than um, than just being good enough making it to the league and I think a couple of quarterbacks I've had I, I can't I couldn't sit here and, t- and tell you that they have that um, I think they learned that you know Jared Goff is a really good example mm-hmm. I love Jared to death but I think his first year was what he needed in order for him to understand okay this is what it takes for me to be elite um, and and with these two kids though they just, they have it now, um, when I bring out other guys like Philip Rivers came out, worked with them. Um, Marcus is out there work, working with them right now, training with alongside them. I mean, even Marcus, is like, damn, I got to like pick up my game. These two kids are, are coming after me, and I think that's what I think um, I'm so excited about is these two guys really want it, um, and they, they they're hard workers, and you there's n- zero issues with them in terms of you know GMs or owners falling asleep at night. Going, I go, and I, w- I hope they're doing the right thing today. Like, they're they're they've got it. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate your My time. My pleasure, man. Thank you, guys. appreciate, right, appreciate
0: it. appreciate
2: it. All right, Buck. Well, that was a, what a fun conversation with him, huh? Great conversation. You love to pick the brains of guys who have been around the best in the business in all aspects, and he has certainly done it. He has a formula and a recipe to maximize their talents. More importantly, he kind of has the keys to the car. He knows exactly what it takes to get guys motivated. As a scout and evaluator, I would love to have access to those guys because they can tell you how guys tick. No question.
0: All right, that was a what, – what a beefy episode. We're, we're throwing out some beefy episodes, Sully, these last uh, couple I times I love it. Here. It's that time of season. You oh, feel the excitement in our voice. It's our yeah, time. Yeah, baby, our time. Hey, uh, again, I do this every episode. Uh, don't ever want to take for granted all the people that leave us those nice ratings and reviews on Apple uh, uh, Podcast. That helps us. We are climbing each and every week as we march towards the draft. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll promise to keep bringing you – some good stuff. We've got those 360s coming. Lamar Jackson, not that far away. We're going to drop that here uh, in a few weeks. So be on the lookout for that thing. That thing's coming. We'll be doing the same thing on uh, several of the top quarterbacks and players in this draft class. So be on the lookout. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts.